Hello, welcome to One Heat Minute Productions Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Howard. This, I guess, is a special episode of Zodiac Chronicle. Uh, it started out uh, me chatting to the incredible Liz Hanna, um, who you would know as writer of things like Longshot, The Post, and uh, and one of the key writers of Mindhunter Series 2, where she worked with the great David Fincher. Um, we started talking about all things Zodiac and Mindhunter, and she is absolutely going to pop up on uh, a whole bunch of episodes I envisage in the future of Zodiac Chronicle, um, and some of them are going to be very soon. However, we started getting into this sort of very digression-laden conversation about legacy and about, you know, the 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 quandary of Oscars and why it's important from an industrial perspective and why um, people are talking about it. And I just thought it would be really fascinating for you guys to listen to because it's so rare to hear someone who has participated in that arena so directly as Liz um, uh, be a, a part of what the awards conversation is and how it matters for legacy and those sorts of things because it's so rare to get a shot to talk about it. And she's very insightful. We talk about some great movie recommendations that aren't in the current Oscar conversation and perhaps why they're not in the Oscar conversation. We talk about Finch's Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Uh, we talk about a whole bunch of things. Uh, the Five Bloods, the 40-year-old version, uh, I really got. Uh, I, I really think it's a fun chat. So thank you uh, to the amazing Liz Hanna um, uh, for for being a part of another one of our shows. Um, she is an absolute treasure. Um, I hope you uh, enjoy the convo and uh, look forward to more Liz coming up on Zodiac Chronicle soon. Let's get on with the chat where we start real fresh with Liz's love for Rooney Mara's Elizabeth Salander. I'm. I am. I'm a very big fan of the girl dragon tattoo and I it feels like a very strange continuation of Zodiac actually in a lot of ways it's it's kind of like because Zodiac is a true story we couldn't find out who he is but in in dragon tattoo we could and so it's like put kind of finishing a thought that could never finish for me at least just as a viewer um I think Rooney Mara is incredible I think Daniel Craig is great and I also think he's hilarious in the movie like we don't get to see Daniel Craig be funny a lot and he's really funny in that movie I mean this was before Knives Out obviously so we didn't get to see him like kind of play that guy um so I'm I am a, a very big fan of that movie and I think it's again going to this and it's something you know obviously we did in Mindhunter which is like the patience and and the the you are not going to get all of the answers at once. You may not even get all of the answers, but you'll get like one or two. And it'll be a really both fun and entertaining, but also I think thoughtful ride, you know, and that's what I want from things that I, I watch. I want to both be entertained and I want to think about them. I want them to make me you know, feels at least, you know, most of the time, sometimes I'm like, I want to be thoughtless and <laughs> have, have, have absolutely nothing to provoke any. Well, I, you know, I think we can all, um, I'd never begrudge someone like, especially late at night when you just literally want your brain to go into shutdown mode. It's like, I'm going to put on something I've seen 10,000 times. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be a serial killer. It's going to be some pulpy nonsense and I'm going to yeah. watch it and that's fine too. But I think also in the continuum of serial killers with Fincher and doing uh, a, dragon tattoo is the great starting point of dragon tattoo is that for for 40 years mm-hmm. a kill that has never been solved mm-hmm. is just like destroyed an entire family destroyed a man and like torn them down and as the momentum of like solving the case and finding new insights and technology and those things that all the things like 
the antithesis moments of Zodiac, like where mm-hmm. new information can be found and new details can be here and new consolidations of like, a new an- analysis of that can be found. It's like, it does have a satisfaction. It doesn't change the crime. In fact, the crime grows into something that's monumental and mm-hmm. insane. Well, but even- it's not even a crime. That's the crazy thing is that <laughs> yeah. she actually did, wasn't murdered. That's, she wasn't mur- that's- you're not that's finding the best her. part. She's yeah, not murdered, that- but you find 20 others. Yep. That are, exactly. Like, right. Scary. I mean, you uncover the massive serial killer. But I mean, I think what's interesting is the quote unquote crime that provokes yeah. the investigation is not a crime at all. She's mm. and more important. She's actually like, no, I'm really good. Like, please don't come find me. Um, <laughs> it's really I you know, it's it's such a stylish movie, too, which I know feels like a slightly dismissive way of describing it but I don't know how to describe it any other way and that like the music the look like just the sort of vibe and tone of that movie feels so energetic and again I think slowly paced intentionally or it's correctly paced but paced at a slower slow more slowly than other films that typically or other takes potentially on that type of movie um but has like an energy to it that you that propels you and Bruni Mara's performance is like I know I mentioned it but I just I can't believe we don't talk about that performance more it's no. crazy yeah it's I mean it's like one of the there's like a few tragedies that you hear about it's like that was a misunderstood movie it was like a few years too late and it's like it'll never be the it'll never get the treatment that it deserved it's like that's a series that's like put it in a box. It's Fincher mm-hmm. doing three kinds of movies. It's like mm-hmm. one of them is like this gritty in a filing cabinet movie. Then there's like a, then there's a, um, a sort of like action movie in the middle. And then there's like a law courtroom drama. It's like, Oh, give me all three of those movies from yeah. Fincher, please. And yeah. it's only later on that we reflect on it. And it's like, Oh, you kind of miss an opportunity, but it's like, uh, some things don't make sense. You know, I, I recently heard that you know, on a, I know we both listened to a podcast, The Rewatchables, mm-hmm. The Inside Man, Spike Lee's movie with Denzel Washington, Clive Owen made over a hundred million dollars and they had everyone ready to go for a sequel to make some kind of movie, whether it's, you know, uh, Clive Owen's character or whether it's like um, uh, a Denzel's character coming to diffuse another situation mm-hmm. that's, you know, playing out and they just wouldn't make the movie. And I'm yeah. like, how, how does a movie make a hundred million dollars in the opening weekend in the States and not then get a sequel immediately greenlit in the context of this modern world. I, I don't understand it. I found something out similar recently, which is the first wives club, which is like a movie that I grew up with loving and watching constantly. And that oh, I yeah. recently watched, I, I recently watched with my husband who had never seen it um, made over a hundred, I think made over $200 million at the box office. All three of them wanted to do it. What you're talking about in this time in the nineties, it's Bette Midler, Goldie Hawn and Diane Keaton, who are all, who are the biggest female stars in Hollywood, and they're like, we want to do it, and they wouldn't greenlight it. It's interesting. It there's something <laughs> that I can't put my finger on there. Why well, could a, that be? Wait, female. Okay, hold on. Let's just do the maths. Yeah. Female-led trilogy of movies. Hmm. Um, uh, incredible caliber performance, and you've got three women leading the movie about mm-hmm. being liberated from toxic masculinity. And then the third is an African-American filmmaker, mm-hmm. perhaps one of the most influential and greatest filmmakers of ever mm-hmm. in American cinema. Oh, absolutely. Hands down. No Hands down. And no, no, no sequels there. Yeah. I don't know why that's so strange. <laughs> I, can't, I can't put I it together. Can't put my finger on it. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing, right? Is 
we all, it's, it's been happening for a long time. I mean, the five bloods, everybody forgot about, like nobody is talking about this movie. And Spike Lee is, I think, as you said, one of the most influential filmmakers, I would say ever, definitely mm. of the By far. Past 50 years, but ever. Um, I grew up uh, in, in New York and Connecticut and I lived in Bed-Stuy for six years, but my dad had taught there. So I, I was like in Bed-Stuy all the time. And Do the Right Thing is not only, one, I think, one of the most influential films in terms of filmmaking, but influential documents of a community and of a place in time mm -hmm. and of the people who lived in that place in time. And the it's just insane to me that we, like, how did nobody just go and be like, here's a bunch of money, Spike, what would you like to do? Because it happens a lot. It's just yeah. really interesting the people that don't get that pile of money. It's, it's, it is, I mean, we know, but it's, what's crazy to me also is, um, and I don't know how to say this without being crass. I mean, who does Delroy Lindo have to fuck? <laughs> yeah. Because... I Give Delroy his I, Oscar, I, I, you I, cowards. I'm just like, so... This is the thing. I, I like to do measurements against, I like to measure how good actors are against other actors. And let's, let's just use sure. something for, for example. It's just like when you know someone's great and someone can hold their own, you're like, wow, that person might be really good. A little like a subtle one in a movie of yours is Alison Brie with Meryl Streep and just acting oh, yeah. completely cool. You're like, fuck, yeah. she's good. Like, yeah. obviously she's good in Mad Men and obviously she's good in Glow and obviously she's good. But sometimes it's like when you see them right next to someone who's a complete powerhouse and the, the naturalism is there, you're like, wow, they're really good. But one of my favorite movies is a movie called Heist by David Mamet. It's got Gene Hackman as the lead character mm -hmm. and it has Delroy Lindo. And when you see Delroy Lindo act against Gene Hackman, much like when you see Denzel Washington act against Gene Hackman in Crimson Tide, mm -hmm. you're like, how fucking good is the guy yeah. that's standing in front of Gene Hackman like it's nothing? Going toe-to-toe. Toe-to-toe -to -toe. Yeah. <laughs> -to -toe with Gene Hackman. It's like, yeah. and Delroy Lindo, you can't, I, I love Minari. And I think that Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal is an incredible performance. I'm sorry to everyone. You literally can't tell me that what Delroy Lindo did in that movie is like any other performance you've ever seen this year. Like it is, it, it is so, it is like, Muhammad Ali fighting your four-year-old daughter. Like that's what it's like. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I mean, here it, it's. It's fucking crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy that I, I think that um, I also, you know, I, I understand why awards exist and there is a massive financial element to it. And, and um, we work in a business. So I absolutely understand that. I also feel like it both sets up like pitting people against each other while not giving the space to appreciate differences or, or opinions or even things that are like, maybe this isn't an Oscar movie, quote unquote, but this is like a performance that we all love and it was amazing. Um, I'm not speaking to anything that you you had said. I'm just saying in general, like I think mm -hmm. that it becomes very a very narrow field of vision and like, there's this movie called Miss Juneteenth that came out um, in on, on Juneteenth this past summer in 2020. And, you know, it hasn't been talked about a lot. It was a little movie. It was Channing Godfrey Peoples as the writer director. She it was her first film. 
And I watched this movie and I was I like looked around and I was like, how the fuck is nobody talking about this? <laughs> like it, it was crazy to me. I, I watched it, I don't know, like two months ago, six weeks ago. And I was just sitting at my desk watching this movie. And I turned to my husband and I was like, I think I just watched my favorite movie I've seen all year. Yeah. And no one is talking about it. And 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 it's like it's just I, I mean I if nobody has seen it they should absolutely should it's not like Zodiac so do not <laughs> very different from what we're talking about um, but I think you know in terms of like the tunnel vision of awards it it you kind of almost lose sight of I, I think a lot of people like lose sight of their own taste because you don't have time to curate your own taste because you're just sort of like this is what I'm told is great and this is what I'm told is great and this is what I'm told is great. And that's really destructive to filmmaking. It's really destructive to storytelling. And it's really destructive to like the mental psyche of anyone working in this fucking industry because, <laughs> you know, here's the real truth is that I'll only speak for as a writer. If you're nominated for certain things, you usually have bonuses built into your deal so that you, it is there, there is a financial implication to it that is very important. So when you are excluding a number of people be them women, be them people of color, you are creating a very significant rift in the financial equity in this industry that cannot be ignored. Having said that, filmmaking is not based, at least for me, it should not be based on words. It should be based on a community and based on people I like liking it. Frankly, yeah, it's like yeah. if I make something and people I respect like it, great. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. But but it has become a machine. Oh, now I'm ranting. Okay. No, no, I love, no, I love, I think it deserves a rant. And I think the thing is, this is what I always wonder. And I use this as context. I, I, I love to use these two things as context. And I did this the day the Academy Awards were nominated after some slight ranting about Delroy Linda, because mm -hmm. I don't write these days uh, in our obsessive deep dives. I don't make much room for myself to write individual film reviews. I write the odd one for a great mm -hmm. Aussie site called Dark Horizons. And, but most of the time I'm talking to people, great people like you about, texts like this zodiac received zero nominations for academy awards mm -hmm. heat which is the film and the project that started our entire journey also received zero academy award nominations zodiac and heat are talked about more in social media every day than count like i have i have seen maybe a hundred thousand tweets to one of heat to braveheart which won in the same year. I've seen more babe pig in the city tweets than I've seen babe tweets because people are like, is there oh. like a babe pig in the city revolution happening right now? Cause I've seen a lot of people talking about babe. <laughs> yeah. I, a lot of people are talking about it because they realized that George Miller was actually, as opposed to being a huge creative force in the first one, that he was, that he directed the second one Got it. and that the second one is a wonderful, but being really dark. <laughs> fucking dark like insane like, like a really, really dark like a proper like grim fairy tale version yeah. of that which yeah. is wonderful um so i think people are talking about it but that's the thing that i just like to contextualize it's like you, you come back later and I, I think this is what makes it more sometimes it gets it so right and sometimes it's so frustrating is because in 10 years people actors young actors who are ever in a class together again are going to be doing false monologue from the five bloods oh, absolutely and i think the thing to talk about you know, I mean, Zodiac not getting nominated for anything is crazy. Zero. Um, that's <laughs> that's absolutely insane. Um, not and 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 I mean, like, this is, and like heat the action like yeah, not even I mean, a not even a sound editing award right like not not even production design right like 
and and like Fincher shooting on that Viper and Genesis setup or whatever it was like in like recreations of San Francisco, you hear about all these filmmakers. I've heard like 20, like in the process of researching the show, I've heard 20 interviews with filmmakers who go, I wanted to use digital after I saw Zodiac because what Fincher did with yeah. it. I mean, I think you look at like Harris Savitis, who Savitis, who was the um, cinematographer for Zodiac and who did, I think he did Zodiac, Milk and Somewhere, like all in the span of sort of like 18 months or something. And they're all three so significantly different. Yes. Um, and I don't know how you don't look at that and you're like, oh, I think he knows what he's doing because it's not <laughs> like he just stumbled upon it. You know, I mean, Somewhere is so starkly different than we'll just use that and Zodiac. I mean, I think yeah. milk is so starkly different. Oh, he's, than, he's got, than... he's got Harris Avedis is somewhere milk, American gangster, mm. Zodiac. Yeah. And like Margo at the wedding. Like yeah. What I mean, like uh, you may not love well, RIP taking way too soon. Oh, uh, like you, 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 you might not, might not love it, but like, oh my God, just uh, again, different. Yeah. A different look, such an incredibly vibrant, different looking movie. Yeah. So you look at that, you know, I think the other thing is like not to group it all into saying like one body is wrong. I think we have seen that what happens is when you invite people to the table, you have a much more inclusive representative discussion. Mm. And I think we're seeing baby steps of that. I'm, you know, I, I don't, I think clearly we know that in the last previous to the last, I would say two years, three years, yeah. four yeah. years that, that, you know, that conversation had not really been happening and it is now. But the thing that I just like want to say is like, okay, so Zodiac got zero Academy Award nominations. Does that in any way affect anyone's opinion, their own personal opinion on whether or not they love this movie or hate this movie or are apathetic to this movie? No, they don't. Because when you look up, when you watch a movie, you don't like immediately look up how many nominations did it get. It matters for very, for it matters in the for very important reasons, but there's a window that it matters. And in don't like, again, it can change your career. I am not saying that it's not important. Um, and that it's iconic and there is something so, you know, it's a dream type of situation. But to have people put weight on it in terms of like, well, this defines what's a good movie and a bad movie is I think not honest to how I, at least the filmmakers I surround myself with and I would hope filmmakers in general would like their work to be reflected upon. Yeah, it's it's the really strange thing of incredible filmmakers um, that you're you 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 hope in your life that they're going to get a shot at being uh, peer recognized in a forum that like for that public window they get lifted up and exalted mm-hmm. and it's like the the thing that we you always talk about is like how long did it take Martin fucking Scorsese to get an Oscar and like no offense yeah. The Departed super fun movie. And actually like really fun to put on just to watch Alec Baldwin, like, like be a complete crazy Bostonian and all the fun of that movie. Um, But like, that's not Martin Scorsese's when people say the top five Martin Scorsese movies that mean the world to them. It's not the departed. It's like, it's like part of this probably in my top five. I'm a big, I'm a big Thelma fan. And I think Thelma's work in that movie is like incredible. I mean, not to say that it's not like in every movie she touches, but there's like some really kind of bananas editing in that film. (laughs) 
that whole, you're just sort that, of that whole movie neat it neat can you imagine what Thelma had before it came out like the, I mean it's the so bonkers it's so shit. it's super bonkers like there's stuff <laughs> in that movie that I'm like all right Thelma what you doing um that's like so fun to watch and feels like you know it's it's a it's for me as a movie where you really see craft come mm. to play and where okay. you really see the the team come to play and i, I think I, you're, like, you're you're never going to get a bigger fan but i'm just saying like when people talk yeah. about the scorsese oh thing, for sure you're going to yeah, talk taxi about driver, taxi driver yeah. raging bull, all raging that. bull. Yeah. And, and so you get the i think the only thing that i guess you and i can reflect on is you go you hope that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Fincher, that a, a, a Scorsese, that a, a Tarantino, those folks who maybe in a window of time for that moment, they don't get the recognition specifically for the thing that they do. And like mm -hmm. with Tarantino, it's been like script as opposed to direction. But it's like that you hope that in the window that a filmmaker of their peak of recognition is going to get something. And it's like, and I think about this with Michael Mann, it's like Michael Mann is a guy who's just done his thing forever. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter that he has no Oscars, but hey, wouldn't it have been nice if he got one for the insider, right? like, wouldn't yeah. it have been nice? Because yeah. it's like now in his late seventies, he's still going to do great work, but like, is it going to be work that is going to get recognized or is it going to be one of those ones that is like, here's a tokenistic thing. And it's kind of sad. And I think that that's the whole corrective action that happens later in the career. But like, you know, that's, that's why we all go bananas when you see parasite win in the time, because I you, mean, because you I still go, feel like that. I can't dream. believe, I still can't believe Parasite won. And also I'm like, that was the last nice thing we had in 2020. Yeah. It was like Parasite won, Bong Joon-ho won, and then <laughs> and then 2020 happened. And it was like, okay, well, we had that. We had that. We, but we, I think it's also like like I like Chanwick Park because of is a filmmaker who's uh, so influential to me and his storytelling is so influential. And I'm like, how about instead of remaking his stuff? we let Chanwick Park be Chanwick Park and like, let's <laughs> invite him into, let's, can he have a seat at the table? I'd really like to see what he does. I'd really love to have his films go to a larger audience. Like, and I think that is, I mean, A, there's like so much about inv inviting, you know, non-Americans into this and, yeah. and that is a much larger conversation. But I agree is like, it feels like a filmmaker's missed their window. Mm. Like Agnes Varda is a filmmaker who, who, when I was in undergrad, I remember seeing Cleo for five to seven. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like the, it completely changed my life. And I, became, I saw, I, I saw her in the gleaners and I, as a documentary. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, and I went, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Where has she been all my life? Exactly. And so I <laughs> sort of like, and just her whole thing, I like her whole vibe love. Um, but then, you know, and this is not anything that's against it, but like she became mainstream, you know, three years ago. Mm -hmm. She's been around for 60 years or <laughs> again, RIP. She's been around for 60 years. And, and, and so it's, I know I'm talking about a lot of foreign filmmakers, but it is like, can we, can we have, can we open our, our vision a little bit more to um, going to what you're saying? Like if they missed this window, 
that doesn't mean that they missed the window into being an influential, important filmmaker. And it doesn't mean that their films missed the window of being important and influential. It's just this little window was closed at the time. Well, we've now spoken on a couple of different projects and it's like, I feel that way about Michael Mann. I deeply feel that way about Alan Alan Pakula because he's like a guy who's now coming, coming back around um, in the consciousness and with someone like Fincher, obviously he's still working and he's still making great films and he's going to make television projects and film projects. And it's all, all of it is exciting to go on. But that's the thing is like, you look at someone like Alan Pakula and like, there's not a more, maybe not a more influential mainstream filmmaker in the peak of the seventies. Like Mm -hmm. he wasn't, he wasn't an outsider. He was, an insider in the system making these incredible films and like people reflecting on it now going, Hey, he was pretty good. Yeah. He was good. Yeah. Yes. We all knew he was great. Everyone who yes. worked with him loved him. Every yes. woman who worked with him said he was the best director that ever worked. He was an intellectual. He was charming. He was smart. He was just, you know, empathetic. He was a psychological filmmaker. It's like, and in those windows, it's like sometimes like, Oh, that guy was pretty good. And I'd be like, yeah, it'd be really nice if there was, some of this recognition at the time that it happens. Yeah. It's really nice. Not have them die before yeah, we start please. like appreciating their history <laughs> and their filmography. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's going back to Zodiac. It's so interesting because again, it's one of those movies that I feel like grows every year with people, with yeah. more people watching it and sort of people's fascination with it. I do think like Mindhunter, there was because Mindhunter feels like a sibling to Zodiac. It's very similarly paced. It's a tr- it's based on true stories. Um, that that I watched Zodiac before coming onto Mindhunter because I felt like that was probably, you know, thematically or you know, as close as it was going to be. Um, but like, I, I, people just go watch fucking movies and like stop looking <laughs> at if think something something's been nominated. It's so not the important thing. It's no. so dumb. And, uh, you know, and this is the other thing that you wish is, for example, Rada Blank made a movie mm-hmm. called The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can we get, can we make sure that Rada Blank makes a movie for Netflix every year until she mm-hmm. is dead, please? Mm-hmm. Like until she, or, 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 or until, until she, she doesn't want to. Until yeah, she's I, like, I'm good. I don't want to make any more movies because yeah. it's like, this is a voice. It's like, they're going to miss it. You know, unfortunately people are like, oh, well they missed out on the award conversation. So they, they're nothing of value. And you're like, right. this is a ridiculous, this is a ridiculous paradigm. And I think that that's where it's like, sometimes the focus of the conversations and maybe it's my curated list of people, but I then like see people like talking about these different filmmakers or talking about great filmmakers from the past who were like underappreciated mm-hmm. by the Academy of that time. And so, yeah, I just think it's like, just because they didn't get a nomination doesn't mean we don't want them to make 20 other movies because it's like that's that would be like oh michael mann didn't get nominated for last of the mohicans oh well don't give him the money to make heat like what are you talking about right i mean that's the thing because that's what it really is all about and that is why these nominations are important um particularly for first-time filmmakers or budding Mm. filmmakers or um or just filmmakers who like made the movie that finally got noticed or things like that is it's about the next project i don't know any storyteller filmmaker that makes, I'm sure there are some, so don't come at me, Twitterati, but like, (laughs) I'm sure that there are some that are like, I've made one and I'm good, but I don't think that's the majority. The majority is like, I did this and that satisfied X, Y, and Z, but I'm really excited about doing something like this. And I am, you know, I, I also, as you said, I would like to give, you know, 
for instance, I know, I mean, I know Barry Jenkins is doing the Lion King, but I would have loved after Moonlight to go to Barry Jenkins and hand him, hand him a pile of money and be like, pick any franchise, any franchise in the world, pick it, it's yours. Because I would love to see what you do with Mission Impossible, or I'd love to see what you do with Superman, or I'd love yeah. to see what you do with, I mean, he's doing Lion yeah. King, so I'm, I'm excited about that. But like, do that with other filmmakers as well. And don't anticipate that the only movies that they want to make, that some of these filmmakers want to make, is because is based on film uh, on the previous film that they they made. Like, yeah. I haven't made a single movie that is similar to the to one that I've made before. <laughs> Nor well, I was gonna say, show. I was gonna say, two years after Mine Hunter, the long shot. They're not they're not close. <laughs> not a lot. No, and that's intentional because I didn't want to get you know, Style. cornered into a, yeah, into a specific thing. But that took a lot of, of work. And that took a lot of people taking chances on me. And if I, if I hadn't had that, I wouldn't, you know, be doing the fun things and crazy things that I, I would want to do. And so I feel like don't just anticipate that, you know, because somebody has made, you know, because I made the post means that the next movie I make wants to be about journalism or wants to be about, of, or be a female biopic or anything like that. Um, give me a bag of money because I want to make because <laughs> what I made was cool and I want to yeah. make another thing. <laughs> and and it's like there's I, I think the one of the models um that is really working or, or that's that's great is you get Ryan Johnson who's a really talented filmmaker goes on to make Star Wars and the best thing ever is like he's like yeah I'm gonna do Star Wars later but in between I've got a this cool little movie knives yep. out. I've got this cool show with Natasha Leone. I want to make, you know, which yep. like, you know, sign me up right now, Natasha Leone in oh, anything. 100%. And it's like, um, I think that that's just a really interesting uh, thing that, you know, uh, you get to contextualize here, which is so important. Is like, it's, it's the same reason that in sports and like uh, talking in Australian sports, it's like if you get selected for your state to play mm -hmm. or you get selected for the country, there's bonuses. And like, that's right. a fucking reality of like, yes. and you get the stupid sticker on your Blu-ray at J, yeah. you know, at your local store or Walmart in the States or JB Hi-Fi in Australia that says this is an Oscar nominated movie. And that maybe means that pe more people see it. So it's like, like, or whatever. So it's just one of those things where it's like, there is a financial thing in the moment that can cause discord. But also if people make great shit and you want to see him make more stuff just like open it up like let and them i think make we are it. yeah i agree i think we are starting to see that because i think a there's such a necessity for content in a way that there wasn't even five years ago you know mm. i mean i think we're both we're starting to kind of peak in like too much content but there's 18 new streaming channels coming so we'll need more content you know so it's like yeah. i think there's a constant need for content and i do think at least and maybe it's just in my bubble of, of people that I surround myself with or the people that, again, that I follow on social media, but it does feel like there's sort of like a boredom with the usual. Mm. And like, I think one of the reasons WandaVision took off as much as it was is because no one was expecting that. Yeah. No one was expecting WandaVision to be a three hour parable on grief <laughs> yeah. in like, and the performances and the style and the kind of all the different tones that everyone that... was expecting the last episode. Exactly. Everybody was sort of expecting it to be like a Marvel movie. And it was like Jack Schaefer and Matt Shackman were like, no, we're going to do something totally wacky and we're going to do a show about grief. And that and three of the first still... four episodes are going to be exact replicas sitcom. of sitcoms. Yeah. yeah. Just a sitcom. <laughs> like get used to it. And I think that that is 
what I, I think is starting to happen, which is like, okay, so we have these franchises or we have these things, but it has to be more. There has to be something more to it. It can't just be, and maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a um, you know, a result of us all being in the house for a year and basically watching everything that exists and not being able to go to the movie theaters and not sort of having built in the spectacle of it. Mm. So like, if I turn my TV on to watch something new, I, I sort of have higher expectations, I think, because I'm not in a movie theater with popcorn and soda and it's not an event, which is nice in and of itself. So even if the movie sucks, like I have a good time. And I think it's also why a lot of people are going back to older things is because they feel different. Mm-hmm. Like the other day I watched Sidney Lumet's movie with Paul Newman, The Verdict. Mm-hmm. Oh, love The Verdict. Which is an absolutely incredible movie. There are, there are passages of the verdict where, especially the way the camera is staged in the courtroom and the way that the events unfold, that don't feel normal to right. our hyper-edited, up-close superhero shots of the lawyers, like delivering these powerhouse lines or the judge uh, gaveling away, like being, you know, and, and every shot reaction shot where Lumet, like, may as well be surveilling what's happening in a live Mm -hmm. court case and just trying to be as unobtrusive as possible. And I think what happens, it was the other day, like my wife had never seen the movie and we were sitting on the couch together and she was just sort of scrolling on her phone, doing that thing, Mm -hmm. just chilling out. Mm -hmm. And I watched her put her phone down and start watching the movie. And I think it's exactly to your point, which is like, we, she could like smell something different happening. She's like, what is this? (laughs) Why is the camera not doing what the camera usually does in these things? Why, why doesn't it look like, Law, uh, why doesn't it look like law and order? Why doesn't it look like uh, the practice? You know, like it's like one of those things right. where I think um, the exactly as you said with the both foreign filmmakers and up and coming like like stylish filmmakers, like we talked about with Rada Blank or like a you know mm-hmm. a Barry Jenkins. It's like you want to see them take their take their shot at anything, but be given an totally. unbridled shot at it. It's it's interesting. I was just trying to look up the name of this movie that I watched at the beginning of the pandemic. I was like going through the criterion all yes. of the criterion movies on the app because i was just like i can't you know it was when we're like we're gonna be in for two weeks and i was like great i'm gonna catch up on all these movies i've never <laughs> seen and they were doing um a sydney poitier marathon and mm. had like all of these movies and there was this movie called edge of the city on there that i'd never seen, never seen and it, it again it it started as you know I was watching it, but it was like the middle of the day. And so I was sort of like on my email or whatever. And then kind of like gradually over the course of, I would say like the first 20 minutes, I was like, wait, what is this? Because Sidney Poitier <laughs> is so funny in it. It's not a comedy. It's it's a full blown drama. And John Cassavetes is the lead of it actually. And, oh. he, and Sidney Poitier is the co-lead, but sort of like the supporting character. Um, he... Is just like lighter in this movie than I think I have seen, you know, seen him be in 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 definitely in his earlier films. Like it was more of a sneakers style Sidney yes. than like anything else I'd Love seen. Sneakers so much, and it's really a quite quite a tragic movie and and oddly prescient of um, our times right now. And um, it was made in what 1957, which is also quite upsetting, but. That was the thing that I was like, where did this movie go? This is like, how did this movie disappear? How did this performance disappear? Um, I, I, we need to make sure that that doesn't happen. If you haven't seen 40-year-old version, I feel like everyone should watch it. It's amazing. 
And there's a, I would say Miss Juneteenth you have to watch. I'm trying to think of other things that haven't been really talked about this year that. Well, you know, I was, I was, there's also the pleasant surprise of, I watched another round. Mm, Um, Another round's great. And it's one of those movies that is like, it like has been punching me in the gut for weeks. Mm-hmm. Like I've just been thinking about it all the time mm-hmm. of just how good it is and how good Mads is and how, you know, all the, all of that stuff um, that that movie has going Thomas on. Thomas Oh, The Hunt is so great too. People are starting to talk about The Hunt again that had Mads in it. Have you seen that one, Liz? I haven't seen that, but Vinterberg did, is it The Celebration? It's the movie he made yeah. like 15, oh. Oh, that movie. <laughs> Woof. I saw be- that. I also saw that movie when it came out and I was <laughs> like, everybody buckle up for a Vinterberg film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the hunt is much like that. It's a, it's a guy yeah. who's living in a small town and a rumor goes around the town that he's a pedophile. And you have to decide whether it's true. And it Oof. stars Mads Mikkelsen's 2013 film. And it is, you know, about like mob justice and perception and hostility it is a agonizing watch but it is so good it is so So good you're saying like a sunday morning casual like brunch watch no oh maybe brunch (laughs) so you can watch three movies like sneakers after it to just cleanse the palate (laughs) like but you know it's one of those things but yeah vinterberg's great it's there there are a lot of films i mean i could i could just go through the list i i i'm sure there's like 20 films that i saw this year where i was like that is so great like let's see more from that person yeah. um but rada rada stuck out for me just thinking like more comedies more like yeah. bent comedies in black and white on netflix every year like with people of color yeah, yeah okay and someone sure. who's like witty and smart yep i'll just can you just make sure that like that goes onto my carousel every Whenever right. that comes out, I also I'll like don't want to. I don't want to look for this Netflix. Like I don't know what algorithm you use for me, but it is incorrect, and I would <laughs> like to stop having to find. You know, like here's the thing, I got a lot of love for Stranger Things. I've watched it. It's great. <laughs> it. I've watched it. It doesn't have to be the first thing in my like recommended. I've seen it. Can Liz, we do this, the new movies? This is what's crazy. I can follow you and be notified when you tweet. Can I yeah. do the same with a filmmaker like Liz right. on yes. Netflix and go notify me when Liz has written, produced, directed? I, I, I just want, I want that. I just want that thing. So I can go, oh, well, oh, of course there's the Liz channels popped up. What's that going on? And just click the notification. Liz channel uh, trademarked. That's coming <laughs> but that's what um, I want. Yeah. I just, and, and like, I have to hear about it a month later. Hey, did you guys see that new Liz Hannah movie? I'm like, what? What, what are you I, talking about? I have, I, I want to be able to do like, I feel like you used to be able to do it, but then it became so tedious. And so we did it, which is like, add things to your queue or rate things or things like that. Like, I'll go back and do that, man. Give me like, you guys are so fucking smart there. <laughs> you have like secret people, in, like with secret computers, figuring out how to change the world. Can you figure out a survey for me to take that accurately will then curate my timeline? Because I'm going to tell you, the ones that are coming up, not really for me, not really on my list. However, no. Zodiac keeps popping up as like a thing to rewatch. So there yeah. you go. So yeah. there are some things that work. Yeah. Look, I think um, what's been good is I've, after watching Zodiac many times on Netflix, when I don't, when I'm not around my Blu-ray player and, and then rewatching things like Dirty Harry and then rewatching bits of Mindhunter and stuff, it's definitely making the list, but like, especially then when you want to branch out and you're like, I, this is that's the other challenge i think the science of that needs to figure out is like we're not always in a zodiac mood 
Not always. Like we no. kind of yeah. want the 40 year old versions of it all. That yeah. would be nice. Sunday, sometimes I want yes day. You know what? <laughs> Sundays are yes day and I want to watch it because I am a grown ass woman and I can choose to watch what I want to watch. And I believe Jennifer Garner is a perfect person who should be preserved. Um, like everybody fight for Jennifer Garner. Oh, she's um, good. She's but good. like, yeah, it's, it, I also, is it like, do they feel like because I wrote Mindhunter that it should be curated specifically to like that? So it's sometimes it's like real dark on there, man. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. It's like when I wrote, I, it is kind of similar to when I wrote Longshot and I would have to be like, I am funny. I promise. Like I, it's, I'm not guys, always sad. <laughs> guys, I promise there's going to be jokes. There's some jokes I promise there'll be jokes. Seth is really involved. Seth yeah. will make it funny. But like, you know, I'm not, I don't cry all day long while I'm writing. So, you know. <laughs> oh, this has been such a treat talking to you. Thank you so much for um, having this extensive convo that I feel like our digression was like one of my favorite parts of it. So thank you so much for this chat. It's been- so I hope we talked enough about Zodiac. <laughs> That was the incredible Liz Hanna. If you want to follow her on Twitter, you can find her at, at It's Liz Hanna, L-I-Z-H-A-N-N-A-H. Yes, of course, we did talk enough about Zodiac. You haven't heard even a little bit of what we get into with Zodiac and Mindhunter, so please make sure you keep an eye out for the upcoming Liz Hanna parts of the Zodiac Chronicle show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all of your support. One Blake Minute on Twitter for me at OHMPods on Twitter for the show and oneheatminute.com for everything that we're doing. We'll catch you on another episode of Zodiac Chronicle very, very soon.